You are listening to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show, sponsored by Curiosoft Kids Games and the letter E. Visit the Indie Game Development Podcast site at www.indiegamepod.com. Welcome to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Aaron Murray, and I am the founder of Tandem Games. And uh, how did you get into games? Uh, I am a programmer by trade, and uh, I've always been messing around with projects with uh, friends uh, for a while. And a couple years ago, a buddy of mine and I started um, doing some game demos, and there you have it. Uh, what types of games uh, did you initially do? Like, what types of demos? Any specific genre or just playing around? Or? Um, we, we'd we always kind of talked about Xbox Live uh, sort of games. Sure. Uh, retro action type games. <coughs> but we ended up doing our first demo as a casual game. Okay. And so you do the demo, and uh, what happens after that? Did you show it to people? Did you release it on the web or...? Uh, for this demo, we sh- took it to the Independent Game Conference in Austin, Texas, oh, okay. and displayed it there at the game demo night, and uh, it ended up winning second place in the votes, and uh, it just kind of motivated us to keep <laughs> doing games. Okay. So after after that demo, um, were you thinking about doing another casual game or um, experimenting with another type of genre? Yeah, we we had the goal of taking that game and finishing it and releasing it on the portals. Um, but uh, a couple days after that show, we got contacted by a company uh, called Critical Mass, and they wanted us to uh, do an advert game based on that game, which oh, okay. we did. And so was it pretty much then reskinning the game for a specific advertisement, or was it... Um a new gameplay entirely, or, or how did that work? The way it was pitched to us was a reskin, and uh, we th- we thought that would be a great idea. And we started the reskin and decided that we didn't want to um, kind of use up our idea on this advert game, so we ch- we changed um, a, uh, functionally how the game, like how the player advanced through the game. Okay, so it's kind of a hybrid, and. So once you finished the advert game, were you thinking about, hey, I could maybe start an indie game studio around advert gaming, or where were your thoughts then? Uh, I was I was uh, definitely against continuing down the road of contract work. Um, that's been the yeah. uh, the major um, downfall of of games in my. Uh, get locked into contract mode and as soon as uh, there's a few months where you're waiting on a publisher or something you know the whole company can collapse and uh, so because of that I I really wanted to self-fund and um, be stable okay and so then were you even (coughs) hesitant to take the advert gaming thing because I know that some what I've seen is that some indie game studios they'll be like okay I want to do indie game development and then they kind of get sucked into the whole contract gig cycle and it's it's like an addiction to an extent because you, know, <laughs> you you have to keep because it, it's good pay it can be good pay or you know it's a good experience or whatever you get um but at the same time you know to do a good job there you're kind of cutting resources on maybe your own projects or something else like that so it it was enticing and uh the reason we took it was because the company we did the game for um they're giving the game away for free on uh, USB uh, keychains at the GDC. So (laughs) we thought that was kind of cool to have our game be swag. Yeah. uh, uh, But then we did get, uh, man, probably three or four more offers right after that game for other games and and turned them all down because of the, like you said, um, doing those games means we can't do our own games and um, doing stuff that I don't want to do is, is like a normal job, and I have a normal job, so. <laughs> okay. And did you uh, did you start going to GDC then, um, around the time when you started developing these demos, or is that something that are, 
<clears throat> um, or did you just focus on the local community where you were at to to get game development inspiration and stuff like that? Um, I went to the GDC in San Francisco last year for the first time, 2007. Okay. Or 2008, sorry. And, um, and then I went to the Austin GDC. And then um, I'm this year I'm going to the San Francisco again, and I'm actually taking uh, a couple of employees with me, so that's cool. Okay. And, and how would you compare the Austin Game Developers Conference versus uh, the San Francisco one? Like in terms They're of the very, experience for you, they're very different. Uh, the Austin one is almost entirely dedicated to online gaming, okay. um, so it's a lot smaller and more focused. But uh, since I just launched an online game last year, it was it was perfect. <laughs> okay. So if you have online games <laughs> or interest in that, Austin GDC is definitely the show. Okay. And um, so getting back then to. Uh, you releasing the advert gaming and then getting three or four more hours offers after that. Um, and you decided to work on your own game. So what was the next game you guys decided to do? Um, we we originally planned on taking that first uh, demo and finishing that game. Um, but as it turned out, we had uh, one guy needed to take a break, the sound guy. So we decided to work on our... Uh, I just we came up with a random idea to do a web-based um, MMO that was kind of like an old mud. Oh yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, and uh, a lot of you know text-based. Okay. And without uh, Flash, without plugins, so that you could play it at work. Okay. And was this around 2007 or 2006 or? We started that in March 2008. <laughs> oh really? Wow, awesome. <laughs> That is tight. <laughs> okay, so yeah. you want to, so so you decided on doing this MMO. Now around that time, you must have been hearing about some of these other indie MMOs that have kind of gotten out there and they were getting a lot of users. Were you concerned that <clears throat> um, it may have been too late to do the MMO, or I mean, what was the strategy then to get this MMO out and to do it quickly? You know, because it sounds like it was just a short while ago when you were just thinking about the idea. It it was a short while ago, and uh, I'll be honest, I didn't play any other uh, web MMOs, so I was really um, I was really in the dark as far as what was out there, and uh, I wouldn't recommend that, but uh, it it worked out for us. Okay, and and so you decide to do this MMO. Um, how long did you think it was going to take to develop? Um. Well, I've I've got a lot of experience with web development, so sure. I thought I could do uh, I thought I could do the game in three months. Okay, which uh, seems fairly absurd, I'd say, to most humans. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah, because it's an MMO. But um. wait, and you said you were gonna? <laughs> did you say you were gonna bypass Flash then? Like, because I know yeah, there's no Flash. Okay, because there's some MMOs where, yeah, you're right. They're just pure PHP based. And um, is that what you decided to do, go with PHP, or was it another type of language? Um, I wrote this in um, .NET. Oh, okay, and, awesome. And <laughs> JavaScript. Okay. Uh, so it's about 150,000 lines of code. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you started developing this thing, um, were you working with anyone else doing it, or was it mostly a solitary thing? Because I know sometimes coordination among these things, especially if you already know all the technology, might hinder rather than accelerate things. Yeah, I was the only technical person, and I had one uh, partner who did um, artwork and uh, story. Okay. And did you tell anyone else about your MMO idea before you got started? I mean, was there any other feedback or suggestions from other people? I talked to a few uh, fellow developers. Um, <laughs> that was about it. Okay, and were they? What did they say? Did they say that it would work or it would? Let's see uh, what happens. Most, or most people um, kind of laughed, and um, well, that, that means one, you're onto a good guy, idea. <laughs> one guy was particularly critical, uh, who's notorious for being anti everything. <laughs> and we chatted for about four hours, and at the end of the this chat, he said, 
well, maybe it'll work out, which was about <laughs> the best compliment I'd ever heard from him. So <laughs> I thought, maybe this will work. <laughs> okay. So so you started developing this thing. I mean, how did you balance working on the technology versus folk, you know, working on the gameplay, making sure that the game is balanced and the point system and the economy and everything else is working? Yeah. Um, I went into that fairly blind. Uh, I was working on the technology because it's, because we're not using any plugins, I had to um, develop a, a way to use Ajax purely yeah. um, to have real-time chat, real-time battles in a web browser without any plugins. It was it was a decent task, um, so I I hit that pretty hard, and then um, released a really really rough kind of open beta. Sure. And players started playing it and said, "Wow, it's really." Um, it's really simple, but pretty fun and different. So why don't you add all these features? And then awesome. that led to the next um, four months of development of all the features. Okay. And <clears throat> when you said real time, I mean, did you ever think about doing it more asynchronous interaction instead of real time? Or do you think real time is a key component of this, of this game? Um, well, I, I, uh, I did look at a couple of RPGs, uh, web RPGs after <laughs> the development. Sure. And most of them are kind of you go to the page where it's your inventory page and you click a link and you go to the page that's your, you want to fight a, you know, a monster. And then it just seemed really, um, it didn't feel like a game to me. Okay. It was more of like using a business application. Sure. And, um, I just wanted it to all be one page. I never wanted to leave the page. I never wanted to really wait for anything. So that's kind of why it went to real time. Okay. And um, did you decide to give this MMO a name? Um, what's what's the? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, you're releasing it in you know open beta, so maybe you were flexible on the name. Or um, we we got the name uh, early on. It was Domain of Heroes. Okay, great. And so you release it. Um, when you say open beta, how did you – did you mainly get developers coming in? I mean, where did you – what demographic did you target <laughs> this thing towards? The the original idea was uh, people who are at work. Oh, okay. So perfect. that was the demographic. <laughs> um, for a long time I've said uh, you can play WoW when you get home, but you can play Doe when you are at work. And Doe is the nickname I, I use for Domain of Heroes. Okay. And um, so then you targeted then maybe business forums in terms of <laughs> – Well, you, you assume that I had an advertising campaign back then, and uh, I didn't. Well, uh, you, don't, you don't have to advertise it. <laughs> I, think, I think it's novel enough where you could literally just you know, release it anywhere you know, as long as it's targeting your audience and then kind of you could spread word, word of mouth or something. So, but, it was um, literally um, – there was I didn't go around and tell anyone. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know how people found it, to be quite honest. But okay. um, a couple people did, and a couple people told their friends. And early on, we'd get you know one or two people a day would sign up, and um, you know, and yeah, were, <laughs> were were you guys keeping track of metrics and all that other stuff early on, or was it just looking at how many people registered for the day? I am a huge fan of metrics. Uh, sure. of somebody once told me that anything worth improving is worth measuring. So um, because of my enterprise software background, I track the, everything. So I'm kind of a freak about that. And so I was hovering over that data. So you do more than just Google Analytics? You have your own built-in system or is it? Yeah, yeah. everything's custom. Okay. Um so you said that you got feedback from uh, your beta users. At that point, were you thinking about doing another game or just continuing on this? Um, you know what? Yeah, what was your decision process at that point? Yeah, I was. I just assumed that it that it would be you know uh, put out there, just kind of a fun kind of a trinket, and life would go on, and I'd work on another game. Um, but it. It quickly turned into I was getting a lot of email and a lot of uh, posts on the forums 
uh, people wanting feature requests, and um, nice. I was chatting with them in game. So I was basically just um, rapidly developing all these enhancements as people wanted things. They wanted guilds, so I put in guilds, and they wanted um, you know trading, and they wanted this that, that and the other. And so I just started adding features constantly, and I think that really was key because uh, players. Uh, like to be able to connect with the developers and they like it when they can say, hey, how about we have this idea and then that week have it be implemented. Yeah, how fast did you have to add in the features? Because it sounds like you're getting a lot of feedback and um, I mean, did you you pretty much let them know when things were going to get released or was it more like, okay, well, this could happen in two weeks or you tried to implement as many features as you could every week or... I was doing uh, daily updates and I didn't tell them when updates would happen. Sure. Uh, I didn't tell them what features were coming. So um, I was doing daily updates uh, for a long time. Now it's probably a few a week. Um, but uh, they, some people would literally email me with an, with an idea and I on that or it was simple enough to implement and they would have that feature that night and was kind of shocking to them, so that's probably why they told their friends. Okay, more the novelty of that than even the game. Yeah, definitely the community. And um, can you talk about some of the features that you felt had a huge impact in terms of the game experience? Some of the features that they suggested that you implement. You mentioned the guild system. Yeah. Um, did you have to do like how does that guild system work, and how long did it take to do? Uh, the guild system uh, works. Somewhat, a player can start a guild. I guess to give you a little bit of background, the the game is free. There's no limit to the quests or the items that you can get. Um, and the way that we monetize it is via um, we sell wishes. And then you can make a wish and kind of customize the game or uh, add convenience features. Sure. can't become powerful because you're rich in it. I'm just very much against like selling the greatest sword into the rich players. Um, so you can you can start a guild because that's not critical. <laughs> sure. You can start a guild and uh, for wishes, and then you're essentially the founder of the guild, which gives you all of the rights. Uh, and then you can uh, invite players who are guild worthy, okay, uh, and um, promote them and. Uh, you know, there's a guild vault where people can donate items, and the guild gains experience when other players in the guild are playing, and uh, you know these various guildy type things. And well, that took maybe a couple weeks to do. Okay, and when the guild gains experience, is that to compete against other guilds, or is it to help uh, the players in the guilds with their RPG quests and stuff like that? It's primarily um, a way for guilds to be. Re- ranked to get competitive because oh. the guilds will go up in levels. So uh, there's a few of the top guilds are constantly vying for that top spot on the leaderboard as a guild. Okay. And when you talk about quests, are these then things that you design that people go through, like in terms of just some kind of journey, or or are these things that other users make? Um, um, yeah, the quests are all developed by us uh, currently. And... Um, they're just you. You can go to an inn and talk to the, the you know the barmaid or whoever's sure, in there sure. and get a quest. Uh, so we've created all those. Um, we originally were going to have players uh, write them, but um, <laughs> constant content uh, quality becomes a concern. Um, yeah. So we may end up having a land that's purely player based. Um, things like that, but I don't know that we'll mix that in with the with the regular base game. It's re- really difficult to manage. Okay. And how long does it take then to make a quest, and how long does it take for a player to usually play a normal quest? The quests, um, they're very much uh, just like a, a few paragraphs of story. Okay. So some quests are quick to write, some are you know, a labor of love that take a while. Yeah. Uh, but um, the writers usually can do, do um, you know, a quest <laughs> an hour when they're 
when they're uh, when they've got you know a, a plan in in mind. That's good. <laughs> and the players can do a quest in um, in minutes, or it could oh, take wow. them. Okay. It could it could potentially not be beatable at that time if they're not strong enough to face some boss or something. Yeah, that's because I've seen some of these quests being implemented, and one of the one of the things I've seen is that they kind of have mini quests within the larger quest, and the larger quest may take you know a few weeks or a month, but the mini quest within the major quest, you know at least gives the player a sense of progress towards something. And I wasn't sure if that's a strategy you use or if it's something else. Yes, the um, y- you're right. Uh, I, I always want to have there to be something immediately that uh, the player can advance or get or um, you know do so that there's always something fun to do. Um, sure. Within you know the grand scheme. Kind of like yeah. Diablo 2 was a big influence on me. Um, and one of their designers said that they had the five-minute carrot system, which was every five minutes they wanted the player to be either leveling up or um, finding a, a treasure or getting a quest, you know, something like that. Okay. And <clears throat> these uh, these quests, do they have their own quest points or do, you, do their RPG points uh, determine whether they can um, defeat the bosses in a specific quest? Uh, the quests have prerequisites. Uh, okay. So in order to get a quest, you either have to be the right race or the right class or the right faction or the right gender, uh, the right level. <laughs> so once you get a quest, oh, okay. uh, at that point, it's technically possible to beat it. Um, and then it's yeah. up to the player to be prepared for that challenge. So do you focus then mainly on quests for more experienced players or for newbie players? Um, currently, most of the quests are for uh, that we have out released are for new players. Okay. Um, the first 20 or so levels have a pretty good selection of quests that, you know, constant. And then uh, it starts to fizzle out from there. Um, but we're, you know, actively writing tons and tons of quests. We've currently got about as much text in the game as the book of Huckleberry Finn, so it's taken a <laughs> well, while. that's good. That's <laughs> awesome. And so do you mainly then have writers locally do this, or do you try to contract out writers to write some of these quests, or and what's the best strategy to do that? Um, well, it certainly is easy to find people remotely, uh, but yeah. I'm I really struggle with um, effective communication uh, on on creative projects with people who aren't local because it it's so easy to sit down next to someone and say you know that sword what if it did this or looked like this one and you know and, and be able to rapidly iterate over that versus yeah that's... if I send an email and then tomorrow the guy reads it and then the next day I get a sword and then tomorrow I give him another it could take a week to get that sword where sitting next to someone it takes. Ten minutes. Okay. Um, so I like to work with local people. Okay. I mean, one thing I've seen also work is that you may usually have really dedicated fans uh, of your MMO that hang out in your forum, and having them do work or contribute in a more interesting way sometimes works. So I don't know if we that's have something... done that. Okay. Actually, all of the um, attack animations were done by one guy who volunteered for that. Yeah. Um, it's called uh, passion sourcing. Instead of outsourcing, you just find people who are really passionate. <laughs> because, you know, quite frankly, they're probably going to do a better job. It, probably. Yeah, so, okay, well, that's cool that you noticed that also happen. Are there, <clears throat> what happens, I mean, do players get tired of the game? I mean, how do you keep players constantly engaged, aside from adding more content? Is there... I'm sure that... I'm sorry? Oh, um, aside from adding more content, is there anything else that... Like, do you have players who've been there for a while and they're like, well, now it's kind of getting a little boring, or do you have to focus on that Elder game more, or is it something that hasn't been an issue? Um, Well, I think it has been an issue, uh, and I think that's where I've run into the the trouble of being just one guy. Uh, Their players would would get bored, right? They can do all of the quests uh, faster than I can get them written. Sure. Uh, and what I rely on to keep players engaged 
Um, it's just um, functionality updates. Okay. Because I have control over that, I can I can add you know new features uh, all the time, and it's uh, it's just kind of a it's an alternative to giving you more quests to do. It's it's um, you know while those quests are getting written, here's what I can do for you. You know, do you want to be able to whisper to people? Sure, let me do that tonight. Um, so it's not a great. <laughs> Yeah. It's not well, perfect, but it's what I can do. Um, something that I've seen some other people do is, you know, you mentioned user-generated content, and right now it's it's kind of restricted in your game, right? Or right. is there still an opportunity for a lot of user-generated content? Um, people can't make quests or lore. Um, they can take over land and get their name displayed in the game or, or put items in the shop, but they can't really create story in the game right now. Okay. Because <coughs> I've seen some games where they don't necessarily add a lot of content, you know, when you talk about quests and stories, because they have some kind of game dynamic or mechanics so that literally, as the players are playing the game, they're kind of generating content for other players. Um, so yes, is, is that something that you've looked into? Because ju- that just seems more scalable than having kind of like the pre-made uh, pre-made system. It, it is. Um, it's a good point. It's. I would argue that they're actually different because um, I think players know when they're dealing with generated, you know, air quotes uh, content. Sure. Uh, because it has kind of the same um, structure or format um, versus when you get a, a new quest written and it's talking about this guy's, you know, greasy handlebar mustache and. Uh, you know, you just can't. That's just you're not going to be generated um, and be quality. So, um, wh- what I want to do with what your suggestion was was um, have players that are um, high level in the game become targets for other players okay. and um, uh, deal more with kind of the faction element. We have these three factions that are constantly warring over land because they'll get double experience and better items if they control land. Sure. Um, so to add more like that, you know, wanted posters and those sorts of things. Okay. Um, so right now, can players battle each other? Yeah. Okay. They can do okay. um, one-on-one battles or actually uh, huge faction battles. Okay. And um, how do you deal with uh, balancing the econ- Did you run into issues with balancing the economy and uh, the point systems and making sure that the game mechanics and the you know the reward systems are set up in a way where it keeps staying fun. I don't know if you've run into that issue with like yeah, massive, that, uh, massive inflation the, with the economy. So, well, the economy doesn't suffer um, inflation because uh, the shop is um, so <laughs> maybe it does suffer inflation. Um, the shop is so different than any other game. It's it's only what you see in there, aside from potions, are weapons that other people want to sell. So it's like a big garage sale. Um, okay. And uh, well, as far as balancing, that's just the bane of my existence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you have any strategies for doing that well? I mean, how can you... Cause Literally, if you change the reward system from like one point to two points, first of all, a lot of people are going to notice it, oh, yeah. and it might actually make it a lot more fun or a lot less fun. I mean, how are you testing to make sure that this thing is um, fun? You know, it just keeps getting more fun. You know, in terms of the reward system. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, the your first question was about balancing the the things that I planned out. Were, well, graphs and min and max, you know, the case scenarios and all that stuff, those yeah. are balanced and have stayed balanced nicely. The things that I just kind of shot from the hip and said, this will probably work, thumb in the air, <laughs> um, those have destroyed my free time with hate mail and, um, okay. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. so yeah, don't, don't make that mistake if at all possible because I'm still reaping what I've sown in that area. So then, can you talk about the process that you use to actually make the right types of balance decisions? I mean, you mentioned having graphs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, for example, um, the stat points. 
Sure. And every level gaining stat points. Uh, and the way the game works is you get a certain number of stat points due to your race and a certain number of stat points due to your class automatically assigned to your different attributes. Sure. And then you also get five. And so um, it's not too hard to figure out you know, how many stat points the people will have in total okay. when they're maxed out at by level and everything. And um, using those numbers, um, I could see what was the most you know power a person would ever have at, at base or the most luck. And um, you know, using using those boundaries, then I could work within the game as far as formulas and how much power is good and those sorts of things. That worked well. Uh, the way I did skills, which was yeah, five percent per level sounds perfect for this fireball spell. That didn't work at all. <laughs> okay. Um, and then when it didn't work, how did you actually go about fixing it? Um, um, I basically uh, sifted through million of millions of emails telling me that I was stupid and incompetent, and then uh, tried to distill the truth. Uh, in their emails that was either the, the skill was too overpowered or too underpowered. And then I just constantly tweak those values. And then people will cry out in, in pain when it's when it's either you're really close or you're just a little bit off either way. Sure. So as soon as you start getting close, um, you know, you could just kind of tell a thousand emails a day will turn into a hundred and, you, you know, <laughs> you can't go from there. So if you had to do it again, how would you do that designs differently then? Would you how would you prep to make sure that you wouldn't have ran into that issue? I would uh find someone who's a lot smarter than me and have them do it. Okay. Someone that really is into um item balancing and that's actually what I've done now is I have a guy who's who is just so into uh uh and that sort of thing. He's re rebalancing all of that stuff, um, and that's his job. Okay, and <laughs> for him to rebalance everything, does he then just run it through some kind of Excel, like you know, some simulation or something else where he can kind of see what's working, or is it? Yeah, we that he's gonna... use a lot of Excel. Okay, <laughs> and as weird just, as that sounds. Well, you run scenarios about if this person was battling this person with these kinds of weapons, what would happen and stuff like that? I mean, is that the scenarios yeah. you run in Excel or is there anything else you guys do? Well, we kind of run the like the possibilities, the crunch sure. possibilities through Excel. And then um, I have a program that I can actually um, bring up the characters, any characters I want, give them any items, any stats, not in a web page, but in a program. And, um, and then run through all the game formulas, you know, kind of separate from the game. Sure. Game just the outcome. We okay. do it that way through a tool. That's interesting. I mean, then do you guys quote do unit testing on <coughs> the game balance? Like you I know, do have you... some unit tests, yeah, but the game is far from having complete code coverage. <laughs> okay. Um and uh yeah, so aside from that how do you actually make these changes? Because you're you're making a lot of these changes in, in real time when people are actually used to the, you know, a certain version of the system, how are you balancing that issue with the need to actually make sure that the whole game is, or that new component is balanced properly? Um, I can't, I can't claim to do it as well as the, you know, the big, the big players, um, like WoW or Age of Conan or whatever. Sure. Uh, so, um, <laughs> Um, I can do it perfect. <laughs> okay. I know that I can't. <laughs> well, how how are you also then, since it is a small team, and you said you're primarily in charge of development, how are you... These MMOs are more like services, right? They're not yes. necessarily like a shrink-wrapped game. So how are you dealing with uh, managing the community, You know, making sure that you're responsive to the community, but at the same time being able to focus on development and handling all these other issues that may pop up? Uh, that's a good. It's a great question, actually. Um, I've just been transitioning uh, recently through that. Uh, before, when there wasn't a lot of players, 
um, it was easy to kind of monitor all the, the forum activity and answer the emails in minutes. And um, it's becoming a lot harder. Um, you know, for example, today we've had um, over 20,000 hits to the site. Um, awesome. You know, 1,300 logins, you know. Sure. It'll probably be close to 2,000 by the end of the, the day. And that's just a lot of of people that are <laughs> wanting my time. And so yeah. um, I'm just, I finally hired a couple people this last week and another person earlier this month. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to not do it all now because I can't and uh, get more help. Are these, <coughs> the people you hire, are they like community support representatives or are they... Um, no, these I hired two artists and a writer, um, okay. and then I have another guy that's like I said doing the item balancing, um, and we just kind of share uh, the the work of you know we have many hats in a sense. Did you find these folks from your community forum, or was this just local? As you said, you prefer to do the, the two artists I just got um, were from an ad that I posted on Craigslist. And for any indie dependent game companies that want to find employees, that was amazing. I posted for $25 an ad and got 10 resumes an hour until I turned the thing off. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. It, it was striking how many resumes I got. And have you run into. Okay, so. Okay, so Craigslist is then the best way to do it instead of. Like, have you tried to post <laughs> on GameDev or. Any of these other places? I'm not sure if that is actually the best place to find uh, stuff for this kind of new type of uh, new type of genres and types of technology. So I wasn't sure. It may not be the best place. Um, okay. For for certain, I did also uh, email a, a guy, a professor at a local community college, and I got one of the students who. Um, had worked on a game project that I saw, you know, last summer, and sure. Um, so I did get one person through there, and then one person through Craigslist. But I didn't, I didn't even get a chance to post on these other places because uh, I immediately had, you know, fifty, sixty resumes, and <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so now you've found other people. Do you then <coughs> has that has that helped, or has it been more challenging as you transition from? Development to managing, or um, it's you're you're right. There is definitely an overhead of managing uh, people and preparing their work, uh, what they need to work on, and answer questions and get them up to speed, and you know all that kind of stuff. Um, but it was I was prepared for that. You know, I, I knew that that was coming. Um, so that type of thing doesn't bother me. Um, so luckily, I just it hasn't it hasn't uh, it hasn't been you know greatly productive, okay. and I see that. So it's a long term decision. Sure. And in terms of technology for the game, you mentioned using .NET and AJAX. Uh, what are you using for the database? Is that MySQL or is that? Uh, that's actually SQL Server 2005. Oh wow. Okay. And are you running in t- into any scalability issues then with your game as it keeps growing and? Um, I've been thinking about that question since day one, so I've been fairly prepared. I've never had a situation where I couldn't handle the load. Um, the main um, scalability thing I'm dealing with now is just making sure memory is uh, used, uh, you know, reasonably um, because of all the players and the data and all that stuff. But I've also spent tons and tons of time making sure that uh, hard um, monitored and used sparingly because that's usually the first thing to slow a system down. Oh, what's monitor? I I think that hard got disk. like hard drive. Oh, hard. Di- oh, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, yeah. Are you running this off of one server then, or is it? Yeah, okay. the game's running off of a single. Um, Dell server that's it's uh, dual quad core Xeon processors. Sure. Uh, six gigs of RAM. Okay. And um, yeah, are there any other surprises with the technology? Like, do you have a do you back up the database every day then, or is that? Yeah, 
the database get back, gets backed up uh, multiple times per day um, and then shipped off to another server so that I don't you know lose it in the great hard drive crash of May or something okay. and uh, uh, the as far as scalability the the bandwidth usage quite a bit because you know oh, that's yeah. an issue so currently the game has 79 players on it sure and it's using about um, 20 kilobytes per second of bandwidth for all 79 players to be doing real-time chat real battle you know all that stuff okay I mean are you using uh, HTT PD compression like uh, or I mean did you turn compression on on Apache or is that something that um, well it runs in IIS oh okay, um, okay. So, you know, similar type of thing. I do have, um, I actually check the response length on everything, and if it's over about 200 bytes, I dynamically zip it. Um, okay. Anything under that gets left unzipped because it's about the same size. Sure. Um, but I, I also use Amazon's S3. Sure. Static content, so JavaScript files and um, the CSS sprites and everything are hosted over there. So I only serve dynamic content from the server. Okay. And how is it then using proprietary? Because it seems like you have a proprietary setup compared to, say, doing an open source solution for your game. And uh, do you think that was the best decision, or is it actually better because now you have support and stuff like that for the software that you're using? Or Oh, you mean... Why use yeah. a SQL Server when I could use MySQL, that sort of thing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I've used both, um, and both have treated me fine. Uh, I'm just very comfortable with the, the quote-unquote enterprise stuff. Um, okay. Well, even I IIS, I mean, IIS is, <coughs> um, I don't, that's also a proprietary solution, right? And it's Microsoft. Yeah. So, is there any reason to use that compared to, say, Apache or? Well, I, since uh, the website and everything is written in um, ASP.NET, sure, it, it runs easiest in IIS uh, without having to try to set up a mono server or something. Okay. Uh, which, you know, that's that's riskier. If I was using PHP, then it would totally make sense to use Apache or. Okay. Um. um have there been any other surprises with the technology uh, that you've used? This last week, I've there uh, I've run into a hash table size bug in um, .NET, which okay. bit me like a viper in the face. <laughs> but uh, other than that, it's it's been fairly uh, it's been fairly smooth. Okay, and you know, do you do you measure then the response time of you know how quick players are getting data and moving on and stuff like that. Because I read I read an article somewhere where Google a hundred millisecond delay would actually decrease their usage rate by like twenty percent. And right. and I don't know if that's something that you've paid attention to or if that's something that's important to your game. It's it's fairly important to me. I've been uh, I spent a lot of time on that. I still I'm always tuning that, but. Um, I cache as much as possible on the client, um, and I make sure that uh, I only um, request uh, files from the server when it's absolutely necessary, and um, to try to speed that up because people don't like lag. Sure. And when you have a game that you don't have a plugin and you can't do a download, um, that's been a pretty good struggle for me. Is to how do I give you you know, Huckleberry Finn and <laughs> and you know, junk in instantly. Okay. And <laughs> without a download screen that has a circle on it, you know. Yeah. Well when you say caching on the client, <clears throat> how are you caching on the client? I mean it, it, <laughs> because you're not allowed to, right? Um, yeah. Basically <laughs> part of my part of my build process is it takes all the JavaScript um, that I have, it um Minifies it, it it compiles it all into one file, okay, um, and uploads it to Amazon, uh, versioned like a versioned file name, and then 
for as long as I use that version of that file, um, it's the headers that I have are set to um, not re-download that file. So, assuming the browser is treating oh, okay, those headers you. properly, then the it won't be re-downloaded every time. Okay. And same for the graphics. And <coughs> do you do any caching on the server side, like memcached or or memcached D or something else like that, or? Um, it's all again uh, proprietary. So okay. the game runs as a a Windows service. Okay. And uh, the web server connects to the service to to interact with it. So uh, there's a whole layer of caching that sits over the database, and um, so so that every you know like one second, I'm not asking the database for every player. Sure. Sure. For updates and things. And yes. Yeah, since you're doing since you're doing ASP.NET and some of these more proprietary solutions, do you find it is that going to be easier or harder to find, say, people to help you with development, or do you think that's going to be a need? Or um, I think it will be. I actually believe it'll be a benefit because I, um, the when I need someone. Uh, to help me with some obscure tuning issue, there's a lot of professionals, okay. uh, especially locally here in Austin, um, that you know I can hire to have them get nitty gritty with some code with me. Sure. Um, so it, it's uh, you know I don't need them to be game specific people. I need them to be you know this this guy knows more about you know object serialization than anyone on the earth. So let's get that guy in and. Uh, <laughs> so in okay. a weird way. <laughs> okay, that works. <laughs> um, so let's transition then into business models. So you mentioned that you use wishes that people can buy. Correct. Uh, when you were first developing this game, <coughs> did you have any idea on exactly how you would make money from it, if that was a thought even at the beginning? or um, That wasn't the initial... It wasn't thought of initially... It, was kind of um, originally the plan was to just have some ads thrown up on the page and maybe people would click them and you know sure that that like that but um, and I was also pretty adamant against like I said having to pay for access to the the new quests or that kind of thing because that's that's irritating when you hear sure. that a game's free to play and then it's really not free to play you're you're what you really got was a demo yeah yeah exactly. Um, so I didn't want a bait and switch thing. So uh, early on, I came up with this idea. I call the three C's, which is core, customization, and convenience. And the core game is always free, and um, customization and convenience are not critical, and and players can pay for those. Okay. An example of customization would be like changing your color in chat. Okay. And what's what's been the most popular customization then in the game? The most popular uh, upgrade? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, that is a pretty good question. Um, I don't have the answer for that. Okay. Um, for you. And you didn't think about doing a subscription, right? Or. Um, well, actually. <coughs> I didn't want a subscription because of um, various things. Actually, let me tell you, I just found out what the most popular <laughs> upgrade is. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> new characters. Oh, okay. Creating more characters. So you get one for free, and you get a free wish. So you could have two characters. But if you want more, then you you buy wishes to make more. Oh, okay. Um, increasing material and reagent capacity, um, which everything in the game is made out of materials, and it's... In, in the enchantments are made out of reagents. Sure. So, for holding those to to reenchant your items, essentially, and um, you know the capacity, the inventory capacities are huge. Okay. Back to your question. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, the other question I had was, um, well, I just you just mentioned that people can have more than one character in the game. Is is that um, do you know what the average number of characters most people have are? And is uh, it okay. the average number of characters? 
Like, is it popular to just focus on one character, or, or do people like to have three to five characters and just, you know, there are different races or different types and just play with one one day and then play with another another day or something else like that? Most, yeah, most players have uh, one character, okay. but the players who stick around for more than about a week or so typically have like five or so characters. And oh, okay. usually one of those is a item finding character, <laughs> um, okay. you know, those sorts of things. And you also mentioned trading. <clears throat> uh, going back to trading, is that, how popular is that in the game and what are people trading? I mean, is it, can you trade customization features, some of the customization features, or is that focused more on the core elements of the game? Uh, you can't trade customization features, but you can trade wishes. Okay. Uh, so that's that's one thing that was a it was a really tough decision to make was uh, can players trade wishes because uh, I was worried that uh, players would kind of uh, circumvent buying wishes if they could get them you know some other way um, so what I did was make any wishes that are purchased tradable okay um. and just you can trade it and that way it, it it really reduces the chance for exploits um, yeah and then they can trade anything really in the game items or um, coin or materials or reagents or wishes and trading is very popular for your trading interface is it then mainly going through that store where someone says okay this is what I have to trade and uh, someone's like okay fine I'll buy it for this much or I'll trade you this for this or, or how does that um, exactly work that, is it the trade interfaces you can um, click on anyone in chat and uh, and offer a trade to them and they can click accept and then it brings up the trade screen for both players and they can um, choose any other items that they have to show okay. um, and then enter any wishes or materials or reagents um, and so it's very similar to like Diablo or or wow. Sure. Pick and choose what you want to show and then click, yeah, this is what I want to trade and and they trade. Okay. And so going back to the subscription stuff, you decided then against the subscription. I know that some MMOs they do have a subscription. I mean WoW has a subscription and but obviously that would go against free to play. So I wasn't sure if uh if you ever considered it or um, Yes. Okay. The main problem with subscription, there's a couple problems with subscription. Uh, one good thing is that it's monthly money. You know you're getting $15 a month from this person. Sure. Uh, the downside is that in order for that person to uh, convince their friend to play, that oh, friend yeah. now has to pay $15 a month. So you you are burdening everyone that you tell about the game. You're saying to them, this game is as good as Netflix. You should use your Netflix money and play my, this game. And they're yeah. saying, "Why well, play WoW? I can't." Yeah, that's, that's a good you, point. People's brains—they see subscriptions as almost mutually exclusive. Like it's you know a buffet, and why would I purchase two buffet meals? I you know I have all I can eat. So um, I just don't see the subscription model working for most games okay. in the future. Um, I think it'll work great for games like WoW or the just. You know, the shining star of the genre, whatever that is. Sure. But um, I think everyone else will have to, if they're smart, you know, let their players tell other people about the game without requiring, <laughs> you know, without requiring them to burden their friends with more money commitment. Yeah. So that's one of the major problems I see with subscription. Well, speaking of getting friends involved, are you... Do you have any kind of in-game systems to promote people to share the game with their friend? Where they yeah. maybe get wishes or something else if they can convince? Or a wish could be like yeah. a magical wish where you try to send a wish to a person who's not in the game, and if they respond to the wish, they get more wishes or something like that? Or <laughs> Well, there's no magical wish, but um, <laughs> there there is a, a link that everyone ha sees on their wish page that if they um, use... They can post it on forums or in email or whatever. And if people sign up using that link, then forever and ever, whenever that person, um, whenever those new people make a purchase, the player who sent that link out will get 12% worth 
of that purchase oh, okay. in called referral points, which get redeemed automatically for wishes whenever they add up to enough. Sure. Uh, so it's really worked out well for a few players. They've posted on some of the more major forums and gotten people to you know come to the game, and then they get free wishes every day, like lots of wishes. So oh, wow. okay. some people become you know kind of very popular. <laughs> and what about <coughs> creating either pictures or some kind of image that they can share with other people outside the game? I mean, is that something that your game does? Like, for example, showing off their character with stats or something that they could post as a signature in their forum or some other place? Um, they don't currently have the option of doing a signature thing, but every player does have uh, a link um, to a special page on the website that has their like stat breakdown and what quests they've completed and you know those sorts of things. Okay. Uh, so they can they can share their character with other people and and they can upload their own avatar images and things. Uh, so if they do want to share it, they can. Okay. Um, are there any other techniques you're looking into or ideas you're going to pursue in terms of making? making it more viral, you know, the game more viral in addition to the links that you mentioned? Um, yeah, that's that's the magic word right now, right, is viral. Uh, <laughs> which, to me, in my opinion, is is basically a, a re-skinning of the, of the phrase word of mouth. Um, and the way to do that is to have, um, you know, like a, a compelling product or to have yeah. a compelling feature or something that's interesting enough that someone's going to tell somebody that something that uh, that person may not have heard of, right? So absolutely. Um, the the way I do it now, I've just started. Um, I gave out like a thousand business cards to a local comic shop, and the front is just you know to the Man of Heroes logo or whatever, and the back has a code on it for uh, one free wish in the game, um, so that. They can, you know, put one of those in people's bags as they buy, you know, the latest um, Dungeon Master's Guide and um, maybe, you know, try the game out. And so, you know, I'm trying different marketing methods. Uh, I just purchased an ad in the Beckett Massive Online Gamer magazine, okay. which is about 100,000 um, circulation. Uh, wow, so we'll see how that works. 100,000 <laughs> circulation. Is that... Did you say that was – is that an online magazine or is that offline? No, it's print. Wow, that's that's crazy. <laughs> I mean that's that's bold. I'm just uh, – It's was, expensive. <laughs> yeah, okay. That's that's what I meant to say is that <laughs> it, it just seems that with offline, the, the economics are so crazy. Like because <clears throat> you look at how effective these offline prints are because the thing is though, people have to read this and then they have to um, – Go to their computer, and they have right. to enter in stuff. And it just seems like if you did it on an online magazine where people are, you know, already online, and it's just much easier. But I mean, right. you have to do a lot of experiments. But I mean, that's what inspired taking that route um, compared um, to just saying, "Okay, I'm going to invest all that money and say some online thing." Yeah, it's more money than I've ever spent on online. So it's a yeah. huge. <laughs> Thousands of I mean, dollars. You know. <laughs> I, I think. I mean, what inspired that compared to just saying, you know what? I could probably do YouTube videos. I could do. Right. I could do. You or I could even have players. I could literally give my players some kind of unique item that they could take to their work, <laughs> and it would be it would be a talking piece. You talked about doing a unique experience, right? So, anyways, well, I do. I do give away a T-shirt every every week to one lucky player. Um, okay, but um. As you know, as kind of a let's try to get the something tangible out into the world about the game. Yeah. Uh, but the reason I went with the print is um, is basically a test. Essentially, I want to I want to test it. Um, the the compelling part about what I'm going to do with the print ad is again give uh, the you know give a code in that ad that the player will get a wish. It's worth a dollar. Okay. Whereas the online ads are not going to give you a dollar. Um, so that's the call to action within the print ad that I'm hoping will make it pull enough um, b- 
because you're right. To, to some, for someone to sit there and read the magazine and go, oh, yeah, I want to play this game, and let me go type in this code, and it's a lot of work versus... Yeah. And, you know, and also, also, you have to remember, <coughs> once again, I'm just a host, so what do I know? But uh, you, <laughs> might, you might also want to keep in mind that basically you're targeting gamers already with that game, whereas it seems like your core demographic right now are just... Not just, but they're, they're people who are who are normally doing business stuff. They're not even necessarily hardcore gamers. I don't know if that is the case or not, but it sounded like you were targeting people who are just like, well, I just need this to kind of for a little fun while I actually do work, you know? So this is more targeted towards casual gamers, whereas this print magazine is targeted more towards hardcore gamers. I don't know if that's an issue or not, but... Well, conceptually, what you're saying is true, but the game itself is... Um like, I think, complicated enough, yeah, unfortunately, sure. to be more of a hardcore type of a gamer. Anyone who's played a pen and paper role-playing game will be at home with this game. Sure. Um, anyone who's played a MUD, uh, you know, Telnet game or something will be at home with this game. But um, the reason I specifically went with this magazine is because Domain of Heroes is text-based uh, for the most part. You know, there's graphics and stuff, but you don't walk an avatar around. The A magazine delivered to a hundred thousand people who play ma- online games enough to want to read about them. Sure. And so what I have right there is a hundred thousand people who play my type of game and that read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So it really is in a you know if you think about it, it's a hundred thousand uh, people that really could potentially play this game. Okay. Whereas I've done Google ads, you know, yeah. and Google ads in and of themselves are an art form because you can blow through a zillion dollars a day doing Google ads and get nothing from it uh, as far as conversions. So, I mean, I track conversions and I track sales per source and I have pretty elaborate like sales tracking. I know where every penny of marketing I put in, if how many pennies that's returned. Okay. And I, I cut everything off at the knees if it's not you know, getting me even close to break even. Sure. Um, what about um? Well, and that's why I was talking about the viral technique of, like, for example, lolcats. I don't know if you've heard of lolcats, but they have. I always see these images of cats with some quote in them, and like people will willingly post them everywhere because it's um funny. So right. that's that's like crazy free marketing for them, but at the same time, it's allowing the users to communicate with their friends in an interesting and funny way. So. I mean, that's what I found fascinating, but, um, you know, like you said, experiment and see what happens. So, um, But you need to have that idea, and you need to deliver, you know, well on that idea. And that's, that's, that's true. the hard thing. You have to come up with that idea, and then you have to and then get it out there enough. Like, <laughs> That's true. Right. And I don't have any good pictures of cats, so I'm just ruined <laughs> on that. Well, you have your characters, but, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um Okay, and are there any other techniques or things that you're thinking about trying in terms of getting the word out? Um, I do uh, have a thing in the game where players can vote on the on the quote unquote top sites. Sure. There's a series of sites that kind of rank online web RPGs, and uh, if the players go and vote for Domain of Heroes on those sites, they get referral points, which turn into wishes. Oh, okay. And, um, and that's escalated my ranking, you know, fairly well. Do you do you have a Wikipedia entry then uh, as another way to gain exposure for your game, or is that? I do have a Wikipedia entry. Okay. Um, and I would advise anyone that's thinking about getting a Wikipedia entry to save the text that you upload <laughs> okay. and to get ready for that thing to be deleted, and for you to spend months figuring out how you can convince um, some pedant that that your uh, game is to warrant a Wikipedia page. Because uh, sure. you will be crushed instantly. Okay. And uh, it's kind of heartbreaking. But, you know, I've got 10,000 players in Domain of Heroes and talking to some guy on Wikipedia and saying 10,000 is more notable than like 90% of the indie bands and 80s TV <laughs> episode pages that you have. Sure, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, so it turns into these battle of the wits, you know, and that's frustrating. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> so what's then what's in store for the future now? Are you going to focus on this MMO or try to do another MMO? Um, what's what's the game plan? Um, I don't see any more MMOs on the horizon. Sure. Um, we're currently working on another game uh, called Bumble Tales, and that's going to be for casual uh, okay. portals. And um, th- that's the immediate the immediate workings. Okay. And do you have any suggestions then for indie game developers who want to make their own MMO? Um, yeah. Um, hopefully you have one or two people that are really good at like most of the stuff that needs to happen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, technically, um, you know, artistically, if it's a visual game and um, you need to be ready for dealing with payment gateways because you can't screw up the money. Sure. As soon as you screw up the money, people will freak out and that's the end of you. Um, you'll need to be able to figure out your scaling situation before you need to scale it. Sure. Um, and you'll need to figure out... Luckily with MMOs, piracy is not so much of an issue if, if you... Uh, require them to connect to the server. But just, you know, be ready for perpetual development, ultimately, because you're not going to be able to ship it. And that's one thing I really don't like about it is that other games, you can just ship them and you're done and you go to the next thing. And if you're the type of person that can't uh, persevere and stay focused, it will ruin your life. Okay. (laughs) Um, Great. And any other last words for just indie game developers in general out there? Uh. You know, enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, then you shouldn't do it because it's not a quick uh, way to get rich. <laughs> and if they are inspired to play your game, where can they find it? Oh, they can find Domain of Heroes at domainofheroes.com or through tandemgames.com. And my email's on the site if anyone wants more information about anything. Okay, great. Uh, we're talking with Aaron from Tandem Games. Uh, thanks again for your time. Thanks, Action. Yep, take care. Bye.